Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> It's a proper dumpty dum with the sheep at the end, which I will uh, conduct you for. And I know quite a few singers, so we'll, we'll start sort of on a da on there, okay? After four. Three, four. This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that are centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the in-love puppy, that is Royfield Brown, and with me have the broken-hearted and dumped... Angela Barnes. And the last part of Cupid's Problems, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumpty Dum, it's our live one in Birmingham. Now, Angela, if one of our listeners out there on planet Earth would like to send us in a Dumpty Dum, or even become a caller in, how can they do that? If you'd like to leave us your thoughts, a Dumpty Dum or a plot prediction or advise someone to wear a blue jacket to a black tie ball, then leave us a message on SpeakPipe via DumptyDum.com or call us on 0203 031 3105. This week we need to thank Shambridge for her amazing voices, Mike Hatton for his character counts, who appears later, Cosmo for his episode roundups, and to Derek for the loan of the back bedroom. Are you impressed with how I changed that on the fly there, Roy? Gobsmacked. <laughs> I just realised that was my last week, so I changed it. Ah, well, what I'll tell you what I forgot to do was to change the Mike Hatton for his character counts, who appears later. Bit. Oh, he doesn't so, uh, say that paragraph again. No, it's all right. I'll just edit that. Or even we'll probably just leave it in so people just realise what a ramshackle show this actually That's is. That's my favourite oh. bit about Dumpty Dum when you leave in all the cock-ups. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you know, you take them out, there isn't much of a show. So, yes, it's, it's the only way I provide any form of humour. On this week's episode, we have calls from Andy from Denmark, the cruncher in his back, Mia with a spoon, and somebody else whose name I forgot to put in this. But first, Angela, you know what? We're going to all brace ourselves for your week in Ambridge. And I really dragged that out because I couldn't find where the button was to do this. This week it was Remembrance Sunday in the village and Johnny watched the Cenotaph Parade on telly. He really is a rubbish young person, isn't he? A youth in my day wouldn't be up at 11am on a Sunday. And he said to Hannah this week that he couldn't handle being friends with benefits. Well, that's all right, Johnny, because literally no one is asking you. You are prime friend zone material, like a little wide-eyed bunny rabbit. And if someone's after a quick, cheap thrill, there's a very different type of rabbit that they're going to turn to way before you, Johnny. (laughs) (laughs) So dull, is he? I never seems to go out partying. And I'll tell you who else is like it, Lily. Lily Pargeton. She seems to be having a boring time at uni in Manchester. The older generation in Ambridge are way more likely to get pissed and sleep around than these squares. 
that's just how it is now, though, isn't it, these days? Millennials, apparently, they don't drink, they don't let their hair down. Yet you go into the day room of any old people's home, it's like a Weatherspoon's in there. In fact, I say, cut out the <laughs> middle. When I'm old, stick me in a Weatherspoon's. My family will be much more likely to visit me if they can get a pint for £2.50. Now, speaking of old people's homes, Lillian for a party for Peggy's 94th birthday this week. And Peggy was overjoyed that there were three, yes, three types of volleyball. Sod that. If I make it to 94, here's what you bring to my birthday party. All the hardcore drugs you can find. Like, I've never done drugs, but I reckon if I make it to 94, then that's the time when I'm going to start giving it a bloody go. You don't have to get up in the morning, do you? You'll never have trouble finding a vein. And I'll tell you what, you might not be able to <laughs> a bungalow, but I bet you can afford to heat a teaspoon, then you won't care how cold you are. <laughs> now, Auntie Cardboard has decided that she wants to spend a bit more time at the Laurels. Uh, she says it's because she doesn't feel steady enough to return to Peggy's yet, but I think it's because playing bingo with a selection of octogenarians, half of whom think they're in a holiday camp and the other half still in a war, is still eminently preferable than another evening listening to quote-unquote with Peggy while she counts her money. Mm. I was going to say something here about Auntie Cardboard being afraid of stumbling over Peggy's pussy, but I'd never stoop so, so low. <laughs> Shula and Emma are still enjoying Lee's karate classes, though Shula said this week that she doesn't think she has what it takes to be a ninja. No, Shula, I think you're quite right there with your general demeanour, your hardcore faith and your sackcloth and ashes approach to life. I'd have you more down as a nunja. <laughs> Emma asked Lee for some advice on dietary matters, telling him that she always feels tired at the end of the day. That's precisely when you're supposed to feel tired, Emma. It's like complaining that you have a wheat intolerance because you get a bloated feeling in your tummy every time you eat an entire family pack of shortbread. <laughs> then there's a hilarious misunderstanding when Lee got to the Bridge Farm shop and got totally the wrong end of the stick when he overheard Tom and Helen objectifying some cows on some sort of bovine grinder which, if it was such a thing, I would call other. <laughs> he thought Helen was trying to set up a date with a lady and be a hasty retreat, and apparently he was a bit shocked, according to Linda. Blimey, if he's 2018 and he's shocked that Helen might be a lesbian doing some online flirting, wait till he finds out that she nearly offed a bloke with a knife and gets jittery around custard. <laughs> Meanwhile, Oliver is keeping himself busy by getting a job at the ball and preparing for the hunt ball. Now, his hiring of a bucking bronco came as a bit of a surprise to me. I thought these were sophisticated affairs, hunt balls. I mean, I once had to do the after dinner at the Duke of Edinburgh's Polo Club in what can only be described as a spectacular piece of misbooking. I can only imagine that. <laughs> So Stephen Redgrave was getting booed off stage at the Funny Bucket in Croydon. <laughs> but a bucking bronco sounds more like he's organising a hen do. When he says he's got the drink sorted, I'm worried it's a tanker of Lambrini and some penis drinking straws. <laughs> now, over at Brookfield, preparations continue for the Christmas show. Uh, Ruth is complaining that she has too many lines to learn. I'm amazed she agreed to take part at all. This is a woman who never even has time to so much as get a Finder's crispy pancake out of the freezer and into the oven for dinner, let alone Andram. And then Linda was horrified to find out that the barn she is using for the Canterbury Tales, a barn on a farm, has a rat in it. I mean, for God's sake, how on earth is she going to convey a sense of Middle England with bloody rats running about everywhere? Oh. <laughs> Finally, Lily returns from Manchester to surprise Elizabeth, but ends up with her own surprise when she found her mum slumped on a desk doing her best Waynetta slob impression. Mum, what's going on? I didn't even know you had a velour tracksuit. Lizzie tells Lily she had to let Geraldine go, spinning the story more than Alistair Campbell in a centrifuge. Uh, Lexi and Roy are splitting up and I'm finding it really hard to care. If it's that easy to make it work, Roy, why don't you go and bugger off to Bulgaria and put us all out of our misery? The end. Hey, you know what? Thank God you did it this week. I tell you what, I, I, I've been really busy this week because I recorded my uh, Radio 4 series last night. Little plug there, it's on in January. So I had to write that in like, a half an hour this morning and I all kudos to Lucy. I don't know how she does it every week. Well, the thing is, she doesn't spend half an hour. She's, she does about 15 minutes at best. So you've actually put in double the amount of work. I don't think it was. Uh, cheers to Lucy. Well done, mate. You're better at this than I am. I don't know. No. It was so much better than last week, I tell you. I tell you, Angela. Now, I was shocked to yeah. hear on our pre-chat, right, that you're hard of hearing. Yes. I am hard of hearing. I thought people knew that about me. But, yeah, in our little pre-chat, I was telling you wasn't about my brand new hearing aids, which I love. It's like I've got my ears back. You know, and just to any Dumpty Dummers out there, 
thinking, oh, I know I should probably get my hearing tested and I should probably have hearing aids, but I don't want to because it makes me feel like, go and do it. It'll be the best thing you ever do. I love them. I bought red ones. Right? Red ones. I went into the audiologist and he gave me a catalogue with all the different mm. colours. And I said, I really want red ones. Is that mad? And he said, well, he said, you've got red hair and you're wearing glasses that are red. I'd say get the red ones. Because I always found, you know, you get the sort of flesh coloured ones. Mm. And I always think I'd rather people know that I'm wearing hearing aids than think I've just got a weird lumpy ear. You know, I'm kind of with you. You know, if you get, if you have to do it, do it and be proud. So just whilst we're on this, right, because I'm sure there are yeah. many a dum de dum listener who struggles with low frequencies, high frequencies, just middle frequencies, can't bloody hear anything, right? Uh, when yeah. did you start noticing that you were losing your hearing? So I started noticing it, I was quite young, I was about 18, mm-hmm. um, when I went off to university really, and I'd had ear infections all through my childhood, so my eardrums were really affected and scarred, and so they don't vibrate properly, and then as I got older it gradually got worse, but it was so gradual that I just coped, I learned to lip read, um, I always use subtitles when I watch telly and things, mm. you know, so, and I know, like, I always feel sorry for Matt, my other because we have subtitles on all the time watching telly and it's fine most of the time it's not if you're watching comedy it's a bit rubbish because like you get the punchlines before they've said the jokes it's like watching mrs brown's boys um, (laughs) yeah it's just nice now to be able to watch tv and and not have it so loud that the neighbors complain you know and Mm. yeah so if you're if you're struggling at home go and do it they're so tiny these days as well they're so I can't even feel that they're there. They're brilliant. Hmm. Has Matt had to learn, I suppose he had to learn which ear to whisper sweet nothings into? Yeah. Well, yeah, my, so my right ear has always been my worst ear. Mm-hmm. So he's always stood on the left of me. And it's really weird now because we still automatically do that. He still automatically moves to my left to talk to me, even though I can actually hear from both ears now. But if you went down to not, to 5% in your right ear and you've got a hearing aid, yeah. that's not like back up to 100%. It's not 95 times better or whatever the heck no, the math is. No, it's back up to 100%. But it's, you know, manageable. I can I can hear, which, you know, the, the, the hearing aids I've got, I sort of treated myself to some really swanky ones. Mm. And so they're sort of multidirectional. So it means that I can, um, so with a lot of hearing aids, you can hear, but you can't necessarily locate where the sound's coming from. But with these ones, are sort of all singing, all dancing. They're controlled by an app on my phone. Isn't that amazing? Good we grief. live in the future. We do. I we know. Do. You know, I have well, different settings, a restaurant setting for if I'm in a noisy bar or restaurant, and they're great. Gosh. Ooh. I know they're better than real ears. <laughs> Talking about characters that can't hear or that don't listen. Yes. Right. Let's deal with Roy and Lexi because Roy. He's not listening to Lexi, is he? Oh, it was just so frustrating, wasn't it? She's like, Roy, just just take some hints. You know, I don't think a tub of ice cream, which, by the way, a tub of ice cream in November, really, Roy? It's it's cold. That's not comforting. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I just think, come on, Roy, you, you... She wasn't exactly hiding her feelings, was she? I mean, you, what, you know, try- that sort of man, isn't he? Because you're right, and you go, fine. And he just goes, oh, good, you're fine. Like a total tin ear to any emotion. Well, but and the thing is, she kept on saying last week, you're such a good man, you're such a good man. So she doesn't want to hurt him. So you can understand her reticence to just come out and say, you know what, I'm just over you, geese. Right, I'm over you, right, it's just too much. Yeah. But he just cannot pick up on, on anything, can he? But why do you think she's had enough of our Roy? Huh? Why do you think she's had enough of our Roy, though? Well, I, I think she's had enough of the... I mean, she's living miles away in another country from her children. That's going to put a strain on it, mm. right? And, um, I mean, Roy's not the most dynamic of individuals, is he? It's not like she's moved to the metropolis with a really exciting guy. She's living in Ambridge with Roy. It's hard to tear yourself away from your flesh and blood for that. And I just don't... Like, she is doing that thing that does annoy me a bit. Well, I've had this before where, um, you know, she's saying, I do love you, though, Roy. And I do, you know, it's like, don't say that because all that does is plant little seeds in your head that, oh, well, this is salvageable. Mm. You know, and I know that, you, that people say that to make themselves feel better and because they think it's it hurts less if you tell them that you still love them. But actually what you're doing is giving them hope that might not be there. You know, that's very perceptive of you. Your little heartbreaker. Who was the poor sod? Oh, 
I've he... just been dumped it... enough times to have learned. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. I'm sure that's not true. Now, I, oh, I tell you is. what, you know, listen, we'll come back on to your love life uh, later because <laughs> I know you're in a very happy place right now. And I'm not I referring am. to geographically where you're positioned, which is uh, North Brighton. Now, uh, uh, one thing I violently disagreed with you in your yeah. monologue was your characterization of our Johnny right Johnny right <laughs> if, if I was a lady person right and uh Johnny turned his attention towards me I just think Johnny's an utterly thoroughly decent guy who's quite sensitive got loads of empathy yep. he's a good egg and you were, you were trashing him I 100% agree Johnny's a good egg and as a middle-aged woman, if I had a teenage daughter, I'd absolutely want her to be with someone like Johnny. But a teenage girl doesn't want to be with someone like Johnny. You know, when you're a teenager, that's when you... Do you know what I mean? It's just like you've got... He's the sort of person you marry, not the sort of person you have fun with. You know, I, I, that sounds really bad, but I, I like Johnny. I do as a character, but Christ, he's dull. He's not... He's not, there is, there, Johnny likes to go out, he likes to party, it's just that he's he kind. He, he hangs out with his nan and granddad on a farm, that's what he does. No, he works with them. That's not hanging out yeah. with them, he works with them. <laughs> Good God, come back Lucy, all is forgiven. I can't believe I'm having fisticuffs with, with my co-host about Johnny. Well, do you know what, I think what it is, is that I'm, um, there's some sort of vicarious thing that I'm living through teenage girls because I know that that part of my life's over, you know, and I just remember it as being exciting. And and in hindsight, of course, you think, yeah, the, the bad boys are the bad boys, but it's sort of fun. Yeah, you but know, then, then, then the bad boys end up in clink like our well, Freddy. Yeah. yeah. Now, you see, I, I absolutely would rather Johnny over Freddy any day because Freddy's just the, a sense of entitlement I just couldn't put up with in a million years mm. now he needs a good scene too and that might happen to him in prison <laughs> so oh, about- i made that sound, I didn't mean, oh my god that's <laughs> <laughs> no we'll leave that in the edit don't worry about oh, that I meant, you know a slap in the face is what i meant <laughs> <laughs> i oh, understood you and so will the <laughs> listeners we'll just leave that in for them to decide what you really meant now Talking about a sense of entitlement, Hannah, right? Yeah. She seems to think that not only is she entitled to any free flats going in the village, even though she just racked up there like five minutes ago, but also yeah. that she's got dibs, um, the love life of, of the Sausage King, right? So, but what is her game? I, I, every time I think I get Hannah, she then... Because at first there was a, oh, that's good. There's a young woman who is, you know, sexually free and um, without uh, seemingly doing her any damage, you know, is just able to just live her life and be quite careful. But then the way she plays with, um, with all, with both of them, Tom and Johnny, if I said to somebody, come on, let's go down the pub, or we were down there for 10 minutes and they went, oh, I've got a better offer, see you later, I'd be furious. Mm. she just doesn't give a shit about anyone but hannah by the sounds of it um she's you know ambitious in a way that she doesn't care who she treads on and like you say this whole thing with the housing i mean how is she more entitled than emma how could she get upset about emma who's lived in the village her entire life works locally her entire life presumably pays her taxes makes no sense no it makes absolutely no sense and then she's trampling over over on Neil as well, isn't she? She's trying to, yeah. um, you know, belittle Lee, uh, Neil in the eyes of old Justin. That, that, that's well, just undermining his authority. That phone call she had with Justin, you know, about, um, is it Duncan, the one who, who left? Yeah. You know, just completely undermining Neil's authority there. And just, it's like she's just making it clear to Justin that when he inevitably gets rid of Neil, then she can just... Swoop in. But, She's a nasty one. But she is becoming somewhat of a compelling character, though, isn't she? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, when I, you know, she's a nasty one, but I'm glad she's around. And she's, an, she's nasty in a way that I can cope with. Do you know what well, I mean? Like, yeah, she's like, believable nasty. Her, yeah. Um, but with her, it's, it's believable. It, we've all worked with someone like Hannah. Exactly. You know, we've all worked with that sort of 
um, that that kind of personality. So I, although I I don't particularly like her, I like her being around. I think she's good to have in the mix. Mm. Now, completely and utterly uh, agree. Now, the way that I kind of see it is like Rob was like Darth Vader baddie, wasn't he? He's like you know dun dun yeah. dun. Like there was a death march whenever Rob there's a Rob scene. Whereas yeah, and there's no one going. Oh no, I feel sorry for Rob. Exactly. He was such a clear hot baddie. Whereas in everyday life, we all come across Hannah's. We absolutely do. So she's a believable antagonist. Now, we have to quickly talk about Remembrance Day. I'm just going to quickly say this, right, uh, in that I actually thought they were going to make a much bigger deal out of the 100th Remembrance Day, considering um, that on other kind of anniversaries we've had you know speeches and sermons from alan etc talking about loss and dare i say i don't mean this in a bad way but droning on because because the bbc is part of that whole warp and weft of british life and you know the whole remembrance thing and i was surprised it was there was literally nothing well, it just seemed to be a few mentions of the bells and Shula was saying about how they had the muffles on, you know, for the service and then they took the muffles off for the celebrate the armistice. And it was a bit like, I'm sure there's more to this than bells, you know. <laughs> you are It just right. felt a bit bell-centric. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> and, I, and I just, yeah, I agree. It hadn't really occurred to me, but yeah, I, I would have thought a bit of Alan's sermon would have made it in there. Yeah, no, it usually absolutely. Doesn't. Now, uh, rattling through things that happened last week, um, Lee, yes. uh, I, I thought it was quite sweet that Emma is trying to play Cupid because I do forget all the time that Emma and Helen are supposed to be buddies. So it would yeah. make sense that she's kind of spotted that Lee likes Helen. Helen hasn't been to karate. Let's get Lee down the organic farm shop. But, but it's also Emma... I love Emma as a character, but she also, nothing's ever completely selfless, is it? Because Emma knows that if Helen doesn't come to karate and they don't have the numbers, then the karate class might stop. <laughs> no, you are you yeah. are spot on. Always got another agenda. You're completely right. Yeah. but I, And I do always forget that her and Helen are friends because they're such unlikely friends. But they do, you know, they've got kids the same age, I guess, and they do play together, don't they, the kids? And when yeah. Henry's not punching Kira in the face or whatever he does. But... um. I yeah that that whole scene at Bridge Farm like the way she she sort of got him to go there saying you know they sell organic meat or whatever at Bridge Farm it was all so convoluted and then he goes there and that whole the mistake that happened his misinterpretation of them looking at cows on the internet and it I mean it was so far-fetched well I tell you what right I hope it wasn't our boy Kerry writing it last week I don't think it was. Because it was kind of clunky. Let's be honest about it. It was so clunky. And, the, you know, the I just, I, I felt really uncomfortable with the way they went, you know, Tom, like, oh, he thought you were looking at LGBT. So start, it's LGBTQ, Tom, but never mind. Um, you look at, <laughs> as if, like, that, that's the punchline of the joke. Oh, God, he thought, like, so what if Helen was a lesbian? Do you know what I mean? It's, it just felt a bit like, why are you making a big thing as if that's a big shock and surprise? Mm. Like, well, it was just. I the- don't know, and, and also, I just didn't think that any of those things, that that conversation would have been misinterpreted that way. I didn't think that if it had been, that it actually would have bothered Lee that much. I think it was weird that he bumped into Linda Snell outside, a woman he'd never met before, and then for some reason told her what he'd just overheard in the shop, like it was anything to do with her. I find that weird. You know what? I hadn't even thought about that element. I I was to just caught up on the fact that yes Lee obviously fancies her and she let's say maybe didn't even realize that she liked him but she does now yeah right and it was just it was the first bit of the scene which was just kind of like weird and peculiar and the one thing I would slightly disagree with you that if you fancied somebody then you uh realized that at least you thought that they were let's say gay and and you are straight you are going to go oh that would bother you a little. You know, it's not yeah. as if it's going to, like, you know, break you in two emotionally. Yeah, but but you're going to go, oh, that, all right. The way that Linda said, oh, he was really shocked by it, made it sound like, you know, he'd fainted or something. The idea of it, it was just... You, you, listen, you're, you're a smarter woman than me, Barnes. <laughs> 
Barnsley Bear, right? And you're spot on in that I hadn't factored in the second part of that and the randomness of Linda and him, you know, saying what he said to Linda, then Linda charging back into the shop. You know, he's just utterly bizarre. Uh, but st- for- So unbelievable, that bit. Mm, yeah, uh, totally, totally. Yeah. that That's the reason why why you're on the show, to to point out <laughs> things which are so blatantly obvious when you say them, but I didn't even see it. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm, I'm very uh, analytical, Roy, if you know that about me. Yeah, well, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Oliver and his new job in the ball. I was actually quite touched that, um, you know, he talked about Caroline and ultimately it's loneliness, isn't it? Absolutely. There were people on Twitter I saw were like, why does he have to work there? He owns Grey Gables. It's like, because it's something to do. It's something to do that's sociable. He'll get to chat to people from the village and just to feel useful. And I totally get that. It must be, that's the hardest thing about people when they retire, isn't it? You suddenly don't feel useful anymore. My My mum retired a few years ago. I'm so proud of my mum. She's brilliant. Recently, after Brexit, like my mum was very pro-Remain. Um, and she felt mm-hmm. very angry after Brexit. She felt like her generation, the baby boomer generation, had let down, you know, younger, whatever you think, that's what she thought, you know. And um, she felt like mm. she needed to do something. She went along to her local amnesty group. And since then, she's been really involved with them. And she does these campaigns. She goes on marches. And, and she's had a new lease of life because she's, feels useful you know and, and I think if you've worked all your life that is a thing to suddenly have to cope with not be my friend said to me once after she said after she'd gone through menopause and and retired she felt like the world didn't know what she was for anymore she didn't have a purpose she said it's like being a waiter at Nando's do you know what I mean like what are you even here for <laughs> so um, I get no it. I think it's lovely no me too and it's just a nice little subtle reminder about the rhythm of life which ultimately ends ends in loss but for us not to forget Caroline and the fact that she's part of this thing for what 30 plus years yeah. you know, she was in it ever since I can remember listening you know Caroline yeah. was, was was part of it when I was listening to it as a teenager you know she was the one of the one of the races set her and Shula were tearing things up all around Borsic yeah you know and uh so I I liked that and I suppose talking about the oldies, uh, and I have uh, admitted my error a couple of episodes ago, but like I was, re- I was like, why is Auntie Christine in it? But the whole point of Auntie Christine and the, and the laurels and the home and all of that is just uh, to remind us of elderly care, isn't it? Yeah. You know, well, and um, something we all, we're all living longer. We're all living longer. There's so many hundred-year-olds in this country now. The Queen's had to get a moon pig account. You know, it's... <laughs> um, so, well done. Uh, thank you. That is, I, I will level with you, Roy. That is a bit of material I have done before. Uh, okay. But, but it's true, though, isn't it? And, and we can't just ignore the fact that people get old, but they're not sick. You know, they're not sick to the point of, of being, you know, that they're at the end of their life. Auntie Christine isn't although she's broken her hip and all those things that have happened to her, she's not at the end of her life. And so that is a massive... End of a useful life is what you're saying. She's still got a little bit saying, of... Right, that's a very different thing. But what she, you know... She, no, she... This is a big issue for the country, isn't it? Because social care funding is disappearing. Yet we have mm. these generations of people that are living longer, but that aren't, you know, of working age. How are we going to cope with that? Particularly... Uh, post-Brexit when all those immigrant workers that so often work in social care have gone. You know, what's going to happen to the likes of Auntie Cardboard? Quite quite depressing, Mm. isn't it? I've got to take my hat off to you, right, that you've managed to inject a whole load of politics into this episode of Dum Dee Dum. You know, I've given up with Brexit uh, like many moons ago, but you're still fighting that Remain fight, aren't you? Banging that Remain drum. Good for you, Mrs. I'm a woolly lefty liberal, you know. I have to keep thinking that things will get better. You know, one day we'll have a government that doesn't look like the physical embodiment of gout and that (laughs) will... I did, and I'm really sick because there's a, a a good forty percent of our listeners right are now switching off, going fucking. Up. I just want to hear about the archers. You know, the likes of Jacob Rees-Mogg, David Davis. There's no jeopardy in Brexit for them because they're wealthy men. With uh, and Jacob Rees-Mogg doesn't understand the needs of poor people. He's never been one or touched one. It really makes me sad. It really does. Mm. It was interesting actually in um, 
in this week's Archers where they got that little mention on the day of the, you know, when everyone was resigning um, and that they got the little conversation with, was it Ryan Tom or Ryan someone? And they managed to get in a little um, uh, mention of it. I thought that was quite nice, quite very topical. They obviously recorded that. Well, yeah, they do kind of like call them back very quickly just to put in the the odd line also. Because yeah. I know when England have done well in World Cups and stuff, and uh, you know there has been a topical line because I said, well, very obviously somebody would have actually mentioned it type of thing. So oh. they are they they can be really good on that. And the classic example is when Princess Diana died. Yeah, that I think uh, I think it was Kathy said, oh, isn't it really sad. Um, you know, so but anyway, moving swiftly on, let's get off politics because, as I said, you yeah. know, there's a, a large proportion of our, li- our listenership have gone stick to the archers. <laughs> right? You know, there's there's a brave new uh, global Britain waiting for us as soon as we exit from all of these trade deals with our largest trading partner, and we're going to be fine. We can hunker down, and it doesn't matter if the if the economy goes into recession. So I'm not going to talk about that anymore. <laughs> Right, stop it. I'll tell you what, stop I'll tell you forcing what we should do me. Is we should talk <laughs> instead. Oh, you know what? There's been, re- there's been some really good ones this week. But anyway, yeah. um, let, let's, let's go. You know what we should do? We've been yammering on. We haven't had a caller in right. yet, have we? No, no, you know, it's been so enjoyable just talking to you. Oh, my God, sorry. Hello, Ambridge3962. First off, let's have our Andy in Denmark. Hi, Dumpty Dum. It's Andy from Denmark, a.k.a. The Contrarian, which is what you two and Kerry Davis and Susan Carter uh, described me as when uh, my podcast was played out at the live show that you did. Uh, I don't think I've ever been more proud than being called a contrarian by (laughs) four legends. Anyway. Just a quick one. Um, I've just listened to the latest podcast and uh, Royfield, you've blown my mind about who, which character you are, depending on who, who came into the show when you started listening to it. And that basically means I am Johnny, which is devastating because he's an absolute plank. Oh, uh, but if you remember when he first was in it, he was actually called Rich um, when Pat and Tony went to up to Leeds uh, to to hunt him down um that's when i first started listening to it so yeah i'm a johnny uh, which is rather depressing mm-hmm. uh anyway no plot predictions this time um i would like to say tom fake laughing at uh helen looking at cows or whatever it was um when uh lee thought she was online dating was cringeworthy because yes. tom is just just a, a abysmal absolutely abysmal and his laughing made me want to throw things at people innocent people as well (laughs) anyway brilliant podcast uh lucy i love your uh weekly roundup um but the cherry on the uh on the cake is royfield's uh laughing in the background uh when you normally come up with some kind of sexual innuendo very very funny anyway guys keep it up and i will continue to listen bye See, Johnny's a punk. I told you. It's not just me. But listen, you just contradict yourself massively because you actually said if you had a daughter, you wanted to be with a Johnny. Yeah, yeah, but that's... So what is it? What is it? (laughs) Because plank... (laughs) (laughs) Right, let's uh, go and see what Anne's got to say for herself. Oh, hello. I'm Anne and I'm a first-time caller in Aurora. Um... I joined the Archers as Rob was starting to show signs of becoming a rather nasty piece of work. But I don't know who actually arrived after that. So if anyone does know, tell me. Um, It was around the time that Pip got a new voice, apparently. Anyway, my parents have been listening forever. And I always remember Sunday lunch smells alongside the theme of the Archers. So it's sort of been a weird Pavlov's dogs thing going on when I hear the theme tune. Anyway, I live in Bulgaria. So uh, not anywhere near Lexi, the other side of the country, as it happens. Um, Now I use the Archer storing lines to bond with my dad on the phone. We can fill a good half hour with chats about, I don't know, the Montpelliards or Linda Snell's doings. Anyway, Mm -hmm. uh, my thought for the day is that Oliver was mentioning about his uh, new career. And I wondered whether he was going to go and 
cover for Toby at the Bull or apply for Duncan's job that's now going at Barrow after Hannah. Um, then, as mentioned last week, there is that other opening, as it very much were, at Lower Loxley. Now, uh, Geraldine's quite rightly thrown in, in the towel. By the way, has anyone noticed that she's gone yet? Like, properly? Anyway, um, yes, that was it. Hope that's uh, enough for today. Oh, gosh, this is scary, isn't it? Uh, love you all. It's all brilliant. Thank you. Hear you soon. Bye. Oh, hello, Anne. Welcome, Anne. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to our merry, merry, merry menagerie. Uh, obviously, we've had you on a few times. Yeah. Barnsley Bear. Um, what's your first Archer's memory? Well, I'm thinking of it. like So I used to, it used to be on when I was little, but I never really listened to it. The first kind of storyline I think I really, really remember um, was when Siobhan came along. Mm-hmm. I think when, or when, certainly when she started having the affair with um, Brian. Brian. So yeah, maybe I'm a Siobhan. Huh. I'm trying to remember what was Siobhan's job. She wasn't a, a solicitor, was she? Well, she was a doctor. Was she? Sure, was she. she? Was Have I dreamt that? I knew she. Did. I know it was something respectable that she did, but I just just can't remember. I've got like she was like a junior solicitor to. Um, Usher or something. I've got in my head she was the the local doctor, no? Please, somebody call in, tweet in, email in. Bouncing at their listening devices right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. From Bulgaria and Denmark, let's go to the northeast of England. Hi, Royfield, Lucy, and all WWM peeps worldwide. It's Mia in Newcastle here, Fox on the Ledge on the Twit. Now, Hannah. I don't know whether she's uh, she's really got the hots for Sausage Boy or not, but I really found the scene with, with Tom trying on his new clothes very revealing, and I don't mean in that way. It, it was very interesting because I don't think Hannah particularly picked the blue jacket out of uh, badness or sabotage. I think that she was genuine and sincere, uh, and I think this showed through her voice and attitude. It's not that she was pissed off. It, it was definitely more that... Um, I don't know, she was she was hurting inside or something, which is why I think that she responded by going out that night and trying to get laid. And, of course, Tom is completely oblivious to all of this. I think the scriptwriters are teasing us about Natasha's newfound freedom and that there's a lot more to come with Tom and Hannah. Anyway, what do I know? What I do know is that we are having a Northeast Tyneside-based Dumpty Dum meetup. Hurrah! It's on Sunday, the 2nd of December between 1pm and 4pm at the Town Wall Pub in Newcastle upon Tyne, which is pretty much opposite Central Station. Everyone's welcome, well, apart from Hannah, and uh, there's also a Facebook group you can join called Ambridge upon Tyne. Isn't that funny? And uh, that's got all the details. Anyway, it's been fantastic listening to you all. Have a good week, everybody, and uh, we'll speak again soon. Bye! That sounds like fun. It does. It does. So, Dumpty Dummers, if you're anywhere near the northeast, get yourself there. December the 2nd, you've had all the details there from Mia. And I have it on good authority from from the wonderful Jane, um, who's also helping to organise that event, that uh, Mia in and of herself is a totally fascinating, lovely and warm person. That she's actually a lady of the cloth, don't you know? But you wouldn't believe it. because. say then. (laughs) 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 and she's full of full of tats and all sorts and you wouldn't believe that actually she does what she does uh by looking at that and she's very earthy and very lovely so so um get yourself down there it's going to be lots of fun um i know they've done two events beforehand let's make sure that this third one goes off as well as the other two did I don't think that a dum dum is really a dum dum our Angela, if there yeah. isn't a Witherspoon. Would you agree with me? I 100% agree. All right. Well, let's make sure that this is a dum dum then. Phew. Greetings, Lucy, Royfield, Millie Bell, Yoko Bear, and all dum dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. Time to talk about several women of Ambridge and how they let me down this week. And Uh-oh. I'm not even going to talk about Hannah. Not that I have any expectations of good behavior from her. 
First off, Linda, who is often a favorite of mine. Linda, 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 you've been increasingly irritating, and you especially came across as an elitist prig this past week. Why David and Ruth put up with your rudeness, I do not know. Next, Elizabeth, when you told Lily that you had fired Geraldine, I was aghast that you had blatantly lied. You may currently be a mess, both emotionally and physically, as Lily discovered, but that's no reason to be mendacious. I was happy that the truth quickly leaked out. Will Lily take a leave of absence from uni? All signs point in that direction, as we didn't quite believe her cheerfulness about school when she chatted with Johnny. We can surmise that Russ has become an albatross around her neck, and he will be quite content to stay in Manchester while Lily takes some time to sort out her mother and her own life. Lastly, Lexi. Oh, you disappointed Roy and me so. After all, Handsome Husband and I had a much longer distance relationship for three years and all worked out well. We just don't know enough about your background to understand what motivated you. I'd like to hear more about your first marriage and whether it's influencing your ambivalence about leaving your daughters, or is it merely your protest against Brexit? If you do become pregnant, is it fair to Adam and Ian to go back to Bulgaria until the birth? Will that complicate the citizenship of the child? We need to learn more about you, Lexi. You're still a bit of an enigma. That's about it. My two minutes are up. Talk to you all soon. Goodness. Yeah. He's the grown-up in the room, isn't he? He really oh, is. I mean, I'll, I'll level with you, Royfield. I don't know what mendacious means. <laughs> I really don't. I thought, oh, no, I, d- I don't know what that means. I should. But, <laughs> but he's right about, you know, I was thinking about Lexi. Um, mm-hmm. I don't buy that she would still go ahead with the surrogacy if she wasn't with Roy and wasn't in Ambridge. Because... I don't really buy that she's that invested in her relationship with Adam and Ian. She's only been there five minutes, you know. If it's somebody, mm. if they were people she'd grown up with and known all her life and she wanted to um, help them, I'd get it. But I just don't quite buy that she wouldn't just go back to Bulgaria and shut the door on Ambridge if you're going to go, you know? I, I couldn't agree with you more. But I've always thought that this whole storyline is built on a ridiculous foundation. And I, you know, chunted on podcast after podcast about a year ago saying so that when you actually read up about surrogacy it's taken a standard that uh the person who's going to be the surrogate isn't anywhere near the the parent the the would-be parents because of the emotional confusion that that then creates that actually there needs to be uh, a clear blue water between both parties for them both to be able to function so you wouldn't pick somebody in the village to be your surrogate ideally it's got to be somebody 100 plus miles away yeah so and then you're completely right that we are forced to believe that Lexi has uh, an emotional investment in this uh, with, with with Adam and Ian, whereas you know she just hasn't. You know the character doesn't have the 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 length of tenure in the village with Ian. I know we, we we're supposed to believe that her and Ian clicked, but it was all of like two weeks. Yeah, you know. So I don't buy it at all. No. Right. The whole story's bonkers, and um, I just think they're serving us cheaply by having this uh, as a storyline. And there are so many things which the archers are doing really well at the moment. You know, the, it, it is sensitively looking at Auntie Cardboard. Yeah. And the relationship, actually, uh, her relationship with Peggy, and the fact that Peggy feels so responsible for her because of uh, Auntie Cardboard's financial loss, but also companionship. And also that what Christine brings out in Peggy are thoughts of her own morality, you know, and the fact that what happened with Jack and Jack and the dementia and old people in old people's homes that just give up hope, that just stop living. And Peggy's like, no. And that, to me is so sensitively done so brilliantly done and we have this nonsense bullshit storyline i'm really quite angry about it it gets me as angry as brexit care about the whole lexi thing because it just none of it rings true i don't believe it i don't think it's a good storyline it's not gripping i don't care i don't even i'm not particularly a fan of adams anyway 
you know. Well, and the fact that not many people are. And now is expecting this Bulgarian woman to have it. It just, it's insane. So, <laughs> are you bringing up politics again, Angela? Oh, so did I, did I mention it again? Sorry, guys. <laughs> but yeah, no, I just think <laughs> that she would um, have gone back to Bulgaria, back to her daughters and gone, Either Roy, either you come and live here or it's over because I can't be away from my girls anymore, you know? And if, mm. if Roy thinks it's so easy for her to be away from her girls, well, then why doesn't he go to be to Bulgaria and be away from his girls if it's that easy? Um, Lily coming back to write the lower Loxley ship. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm thinking because I'm trying not to come into this week's episodes. I'm trying to remember what happened last week. It's quite clear that she's not that happy in Manchester is it I mean Russ is taking her for a ride and she said to Johnny didn't she when she bumped into Johnny he's like I'm trying to get some more money out of my mother you know so he's obviously just sitting around the flat painting while she's trying to juggle the finances and and do everything else so I think she'll end up deferring for a year or something being back yeah Yeah. leaving him up there with his three temperature kettle yeah exactly so you know, keep him company. Thing that really bugs me about the whole lower Loxley thing with Lily and Freddie, and um, that hasn't been really mm. is because I, I remember it being mentioned of me being a little bit like, what was that? That 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 Freddie's the inheritor, right, of Lower Loxley. Yeah. Now, surely mm-hmm. now that can't still be the case. If Lily comes back and saves the day and is the sensible one doing everything right, and Freddie's in prison and he jeopardizes the entire business. As, you know, surely now that's got to change, hasn't it? You know what? Well, I don't know enough about this stuff. You know, I don't know enough about inheritance, yeah. about um, the, the lower reaches of the aristocracy. I, I just don't know enough. So I'm, I'm going to pass mm. on that. On, on the one hand, it's not as if there's a title involved, no. is it? So it's not as if Freddie is going to become Lord of the of Lower Loxley or no, it whatever. So like it's I a straightforward know. sort of you inherit the the house, you know, even though it's a, their house happens to be a stately home. But I just think it is that is it Freddie mm. because he was born first, or is it Freddie because he's male? I'm not really sure what the reasoning is that it's Freddie. Rob. I've always got the impression it was because he was male, but then there is no title associated yeah, with so it. So please, again, somebody come and rescue us, please, because I, I, I don't, I don't really is know. Cosmos, is this something yeah. that Nigel just said? Yeah, that Nigel said because it's going to, um, you know, keep the family name. I don't bloody know, and I and I don't really care yeah. to be honest yeah. with you. And it's the inverted snob in me coming out. I'm really sorry if if you're like privilege and you've got born with a silver spoon yeah. in your mouth oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm the person from the other side of the tracks well, so that's it. Well, if I'm don't know on don't your really side care. of the tracks and I have a working class <laughs> <laughs> which reminds me actually when you said that you remember listening to the archers growing up yeah I said to myself what type of working class childhood did you have if if radio four and the archers was on in the background <laughs> my mum loved radio I think I mean my mum grew up my mum was one of nine and grew up mm. in a council, three bedroom council house with, you know, two parents and nine kids. And I think the radio was just, you know, she just always listened to the radio. And then that just continued. So we've always had radio for, and my dad really liked radio for comedy, but you don't have to be middle class to listen to it. I think, you know, we're only just getting to the point where you don't have to be middle class to be on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do my best voice to beat down that barrier, you know. <laughs> no, well done, because, you know, I fall into old ways of thinking and stuff when it comes to Radio 4 at the best of times. And it's a quick plug for me to say uh, my other podcast, one of my many other podcasts, Things That Made England, which I do with the wonderfully funny David Crowther from the History of England. This week's episode is all about Radio 4. And I contend, Angela, that Radio 4 is English and not British for a lot of the reasons that we've we've just kind of just mentioned, actually. And here's a little litmus test for you. Right. Yeah. Which I think makes my contention because a lot of people have said, well, no, Radio 4 is British. There is Susan Ray. There is John Humphreys. And I contend that it's not just about accents. It's a certain sensibility. Right. But you're you're a person, you're you're a woman who listens to radio output. Yes. Yes. Not just Radio 4. Right. All right. So out of these radio stations, tell me which is the most uh, is the most English. Right. Radio 4, Radio 2, Radio 1, Radio 5 Live. Which would you say is British? Which would you say is English? 
Oh, that's so tricky. I I think um, out of those, oh, see, I think they're all pretty. What I'm thinking about is it's like in LBC the way that it's just Middle Englanders moaning about the you know political correctness and things like that. That to me feels more. I didn't mention Radio Four does. I didn't mention LBC at all, right? But in the BBC's output, right? BBC Radio One is it British? I think it is British. I really do. Thank you. I I I think Radio One is totally British. It feels very. It feels northwest to me. I um. It feels like the regions of the UK are served. Radio Two. Same, I think. Exactly. Couldn't agree with you more. Radio Five Live. I never listen to Radio Five Live, so I really. To me, that's the okay. One, so I don't listen to it. I'm assuming okay, it, it, one that it's pretty like it includes Scottish football and Welsh football and things like that. I would have thought, no, absolutely. Just yesterday, they had Scotland's international on against Crumbs Israel, right? Right, Radio Four, Britain compared to the others. It's not though, is it? It's not. It it does it does Radio Four feel regional ever? Well, I mean. <sighs> Obviously, most of the output of radio, not, not, ah, it's really hard. Yes, it does, because like the plays and things take How? regions, the. Uh... But, but wait a minute. So the plays, <laughs> the plays, I would say, I would contend that the plays are somewhat jarring. I'm not saying they're good or they're bad, but it's the only time when you hear people of a different social strata in any meaningful way, other than being. Uh, some news, some clip on the news, and it's the only time you feel you feel like you're in the regions of the United Kingdom. I think you do, and for that, for me, is always jarring. You and yours is always home counties. Even if that person rings in from Dundee, their sensibility is so home counties. Oh, well, that's a different because um, I think you can be. M- Middle England, but you can be in Scotland. Do you know what I mean? There's, it's funny. But, but that's my point. Middle England. Yeah. That's the whole. That's my whole point. You've done it. Okay. You just said it. You said Middle England. I said home counties, and you said you can be Middle England and be somewhere well, I else. Think, I think so Middle England. I, no, no. I think I'm using Middle England in the way to what I actually mean is small C concern. No, no. I think that little Freudian slip there. I win the argument. I think Barnsley Bear. Right, we need to now move on. Right, so let, let's let's get this uh, show uh, quickly to its end. Let's have uh, a touch of yokel beer after. If you're in Britain or America, you probably hear a little commercial break. And at that point, I then uh, scroll across and do this. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And then come back with a touch of the yokels. Hello, it's Yokel Bear here calling with the social media roundup for the week. We spoke quite a bit this week on uh, the Book of Face about anti-cardboard and the fact that she's got a quite extended stay at the laurels. 
and doesn't seem to want to come home. Um, and Joanne Smith said about when she came back for Peggy's birthday party, Joanne Smith said, wasn't everyone else just screaming at the radio? She's scared to come home because of the bleeping cat. Um, yeah, I think everyone was thinking that. Everyone's terrified of Hilda. Um, but Denise Ann Smallwood has come up with a bit of a solution to the Hilda problem. She said, since Hilda Ogden is the feline version of Hannah, I think she would be <laughs> a perfect gift for Hannah. Yeah, can you imagine it? They'd get on like a house on fire. In fact, actually, if you put Hannah and Hilda into a house together, the house probably would end up on fire. Um... But also as well, we've um, Ben Johnson got to get a special mention here for I think just the most terrible joke that made me laugh this week. About asked whether anti cardboard would be coming home, just said no, she'll end up living in a cardboard city, <laughs> which which did make me laugh. However, Annie Morley got me thinking when she said Hilda is being used as a delaying tactic. Peggy will get rid of, and then Crafty Cardboard will come up with another excuse. And Annie doesn't think that um, that Anti Cardboard is feeling all that guilty about Peggy paying the fees. And that got me thinking: Is Anti Cardboard a scam artist? Are we, you know, are we looking at this all the wrong way? Well, there's only one way to find out the truth on Dumpty Dum, isn't there? And that's to do a poll on Facebook. It's the people's vote again. So, um, the the votes are in. And 55% of you think that anti-cardboard is a scam artist. <laughs> God, I love you guys sometimes. <laughs> it's so obvious she's not, but still we're going to judge her anyway. Um, but also, there was a, a part of this discussion, there was um, a really worrying little post that cropped up, which was from somebody called Ben the Ambridge Cat, uh, who posted, I'm not quite sure how you posted, Ben, with your paws and everything, um, but... Ben said, the cat bungled the mission. It should have been Peggy. <laughs> well, that's a bit of a worry, isn't it? If one <laughs> cat has got inside knowledge of another cat's mission, um, oh, my God, it's a kitty revolution. The, the cats of Ambridge are rising up. This is terrible news. However, Nick Max thinks it's something else. She said that anti-cardboard is rightfully afraid of Peggy because Peggy's a vampire and Hilda is her familiar. Um, God, yes. I could see Peggy as a vampire. She doesn't seem... She seems to be just going on forever. <laughs> Has people seen her out in daylight? Oh, I don't know. Um, but also as well, I did love Stephen Bowden's... Um, Post which said that Chris has risen up to the top of the gang culture in the laurels and all the other residents are expected to pay her respects um, uh, <laughs> like she's the gangster of the laurels. I really did like that. We also talked a little bit about why the hell is the Christmas play in a barn and what the hell's going on with that barn. Um, Megan Eliza Stott said, blatantly, Linda wants an authentic medieval experience. Actually, Megan, I'm just going to stop you there. Is this some kind of filthy euphemism? Because I know what you dumpty dummers are like. Um, but also as well, Catherine Shorrock said, what kind of farmer has an empty barn this time of year anyway? OK, even if there's no fodder or straw, they've got to be st storing all those biscuits somewhere. <laughs> very, very true. Um, but also as well, what else did we talk about? Oh, yeah, topical inserts. There was a topical insert this week, wasn't there? When Roy mentioned on the day that the Brexit thing was happening in Parliament, um, that Lexi was listening to the Brexit thing in Parliament. Um, and we asked people about what's been your favourite kind of topical inserts. And quite a few people, Penny Smith, Connie Nolan, um, and a few others actually um, mentioned the Princess Diana. When Princess Diana died, that there was a really poignant moment with Jill in the church. Um, and I do remember that one as well. Um, also as well, various elections, like for instance... Um, 
Tim Virtualotti said, The conversation between Jenny and Lillian about Theresa May losing a majority the day after the 2017 election is another good example. And I do love a good topical insert because, one, it it makes the programme more up-to-date. And two, I just, in my head, it's just like the actors being bundled into a taxi saying, quick, 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 get to the studio. Um, And I like that image. But also as well, this week we asked a question about, towards the end of the week, is Lexi making the right decision? Because Roy now lives in a a village called Dumpsville, population Roy. Um, (laughs) So Pat Ralph Hanavan, I thought, made some really, really good points saying that I don't buy that either of them have broached a single alternative or compromise plan. You know, they could be asking about whether Roy could possibly move to Bulgaria, whether the girls could come over for regular visits. And she says there hasn't been a slightest bit of problem solving by the Royal Lexi. Um, Also as well, Pat said, "Um, I love Lexi, don't we all? So I'm hoping our daughters come over and start mixing with the ne'er-do-well teens of Ambridge. I think that would be great. Scriptwriters, make that happen. But also, Robin Cotty and Graham Walsh pointed out a potential future problem. If Lexi goes back to um, Bulgaria, and then, after Brexit and everything like that, the baby's born, would the baby be able to get back into Ambridge? So in other words, <laughs> will... Um, Will Ian and Adam go through all this only to find out they can't get the baby? Um, so, yeah, so I think that's uh, that's a valid concern. Anyway, so that's kind of the social media roundup for the week. Um, but also as well, it is time for, whether you've asked for it or not, the Joe Grundy Folk Customs Corner. Today, I'm actually going to just talk very, very quickly about something that some people might have thought wasn't real. But there is actually a thing called Stir Up Sunday. It's not actually um, just an archer's invention. And Stir Up Sunday is a Sunday, either the Sunday before Advent or the 25th Sunday after Trinity. Um, because Church of England likes the counting, likes counting the weeks and everything. Um So it normally falls between the 20th and 26th of November. And it's widely known as Stir Up Sunday because from about the 1830s onwards in Britain, um, the church service at the time commenced with the, the... the words, stir it, stir up, we beseech thee, O Lord. But as this was also the time when people would start making their Christmas puddings and their Christmas cakes ready for Christmas, people added in extra lyrics, if you like, uh, one of which was, stir up, stir up, we beseech thee, the pudding in the pot, stir up, we, we beseech thee, and keep it all hot. And so that's where it kind of came from, is that it was the a line in a... Um, in a um, a church service, but then it kind of became something about getting ready for Christmas, and so stir it up. Sunday's real, so and it's coming up soon, and no doubt we'll hear about it on the archers. Oh yes, I forgot. Actually, my God, this is terrible. Um, I forgot to say something in my social media roundup. So here's a quick PS. We talked about Lily and the fact she seemed pretty nonchalant about. Russ and Manchester and everything. But I'm going to send a shout out to Joshua Yoda. Joshua, you were my Facebook comment of the week. Um, Joshua said this. This is his prediction. There once was a young girl named Lily who fell for a, for a much older Willie. Mm-hmm. She realised the bloke was nothing but broke and left him atop Lakey Hilly. Joshua, <laughs> you're a genius. High fives. High fives to Joshua. Um, okay, so that's me done. That's me done for the week, and I will talk to you soon. Lovely to see all the love that our yokel bearers get in on the Twitters at the moment, and we're just going to wrap this mama jammer up this has been a thought-provoking episode we've done politics we've done elderly care we've done all sorts so i just got to applaud you uh, for bringing out the best in me something that freeman can never do oh, right, no, that's so, well well <laughs> that is not true but, but i always find this you know so anytime lucy you want to break you just give me a shout well listen we love having you we love having you on so folks patreon.com go there if you want to support our show 
uh, you can do that by donating $2 per show. Uh, that means that you get extra content. The moment the extra content is an interview I did with Tim Bentink, who is our David, and he talks about his life outside of the Archers. So please listen to it if you want to listen to it and you're not already a Patreon subscriber, become one and then you'll get it in your feed. Remember to get in contact with us. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on our website, which is www.dumdum.com, or you can call us on 0203-0313105 to leave us a telephonic message from a phone. You can find us all on Twitter, where we are at www.dumdum. Lucy is at Lucy B. Freeman. Me, Royfield, I'm at Royfield, quite simply, R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D. Robert is at Naked Fingers, and you, Angela, are at? Angela Barnes nice and simple and of course if you don't do the Twitters but you do the Facebook uh, you can go onto Facebook and you can type in dum de dum and you'll get the Millie Bell Yokel Bear and Witherspoon Three Ring Circus Show and it's a whole load of fun Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European Linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.